it's all been negative, hasn't it? It's yeah. been about you've got mental health issues, and if you've got mental health issues, there's something wrong with you. So welcome to another episode of the Every Mind podcast. I'm excited for this one, joined by Zoe Sinclair. So before we kind of dive in, Zoe, can you just let us know a little bit about what you do currently? So currently I'm involved in two major projects, two businesses, Employees Matter and the Workplace Mental Health Conference, This Can Happen. Uh, So my journey started about um, 17 years ago now, when um, up until that point, I um, had a career at the BBC, uh, making television programmes, travelling around the world, really great. Um, And then in quite a sort of stereotypical way, um, became a working mum, had two children, and I found it quite difficult. Mm. And I found it hard to... um, I went down to three days a week, but couldn't really fulfil my career expectations um, at a desk three days a week. Um, I, before I'd been travelling around the world making the programmes and it just wasn't quite working for me. And I felt that the time had come to look at new challenges and the whole thing about being a working parent and the challenge that it can be for a working parent really was very important to me and resonated me, with me. And so I went on to set up a company called Parents Matter, which was all about um, supporting working parents, going into companies, working with their HR departments, and um, creating opportunities for working parents to get support by sending in different speakers to support working parents. And this was at a time as I said, quite a long time ago, where there were no childcare vouchers available, Mm. um, there wasn't 52 weeks maternity and paternity and shared parental leave like there is now. It was, you know, a lot has happened in that time. So at that time, the doors really opened to me and companies really were looking at their working parent policies and looking at flexible working, which was only really just starting then. So forward sort of five, seven years, um, Parents Matter was really, um, it was becoming successful, working with lots of banks, law firms, management consultancies, arranging all sorts of seminars um, for working parents. And as time went on, the HR director clients of mine were saying, so, you know, this is really great, but we have to acknowledge that not all our working population are parents. And, you know, we want to organise a wellbeing week. You know, is there anything that you could organise for us with the speakers then? Or we're looking to set up a gender network, not just a family network. What could you help us with? And I soon realised that if I wanted the company to expand, I had to sort of go out of my blinkered world of parenting and um, really look at, you know, the workplace as a whole. Mm. And so Parents Matter, the, the name Parents Matters became slightly redundant. Um, And so we changed it to Employees Matter, and that is exactly what we now are, um, sort of um, another 10 years on. And so we work with all sorts of companies in sort of the, the area, I suppose, of employee engagement. And that might be engaging employees in their health and well-being. It absolutely still continues to be engaging the working parents. But mental well-being has become a huge thing um, that we've been working on with clients for the last five years. And that led us to set up a separate event, This Can Happen Workplace Mental Health Conference. 
Amazing. So there's lots to unpack and I really want to talk about the event because I know obviously, was it the first event last year? Last year, year, yes. And Prince William came and, you know, it was obviously a successful event and the next event is not far away. Yes, November the 25th this year. Okay, so um, talking about sort of your experience in the workplace then. So obviously you said back then flexible working didn't really exist. What's the biggest kind of change you've seen from when you first started? to almost now where companies are starting to proactively engage with you know mental health yeah i think mental health has got to be the biggest change that that we have seen um after i'd say flexible working um mm. i think you know it, it's not um difficult to find people that uh, agile work work four days a week now uh, three days a week even two days at home three you know that's really quite popular now Mm. and I think made a real difference in the workplace but mental well-being was really not talked about at all um, in many companies and to be honest is still not spoken Mm. about enough Um, and there are plenty of companies that don't even look at it yet at all but strides have been made and, and just by the fact that Um, over 150 companies came to our conference last year and were sitting in sessions on all ranges of mental health just shows that the conversation has started albeit if only some companies are very much at the beginning you're always going to get the spectrum of companies you know Mm. some that are doing a small amount always there are those leaders in the field and that's great and we can all aspire to that but I think mental well-being has been the biggest change in in the workplace. And why do you think it has taken that time? You know, do you think it's just the lack of education around it? I think, especially here, it's a lot of sort of the British stiff upper lip. Mm. We don't talk very, you know, you sit on a crowded train, nobody talks to each other. (laughs) We don't talk to each other in the workplace. Um, And obviously, you know, the huge stigma of mental health Um, And I think people haven't been educated enough in mental health. So their vision of mental health is, you know, men in white coats coming to get you Mm. and that you can't have a normal conversation with somebody who has... It's all been negative, hasn't it? It's been about you've got mental health issues and if you've got mental health issues, there's something wrong with you. But the dialogue now is changing to that we all have mental health and that's the way the conversations need to progress. But that really hasn't happened up until very recently. Yeah, I think like you said, it's starting to happen in terms of the awareness. Some companies are taking it on board more than than others. And I think like you said, the really key point is just the stigma still associated with it. Sometimes I ask people what's the first word that comes to mind when you say the word mental. Yeah. And it's crazy, all of these kind of negative associations. So when you're talking about mental health, it's still very sort of negative. So with the work that you're doing, what do you think some companies can do if they haven't started? Like, what would be the first step? I think the first step is to... You have to have buy-in from your company. And a lot of people talk about that the most important thing is to get senior leaders talking. Um, And once senior leaders start talking, um, you get the buy-in from everyone else and and it's okay to talk about. Um, I do agree with that to a certain extent but I also think that um, a lot of everyday people in an organisation who haven't reached senior level sometimes that's not enough for them because they quite understandably can think 
well, I'm not at that senior level. I've got the rest of my career ahead of me. And if I say what those senior leaders have said, I've got an awful lot more to lose. The senior leaders aren't necessarily going to lose their jobs. Mm. They're, they're at the top of their game now and they have the confidence to be able to say what they want. But I think sometimes it's not so easy for people who've just started their career or even middle management to have the confidence to say what a senior leader would say. So I think that the senior leadership buy-in is hugely important, but I do believe it's a combined Mm -hmm. effort from within. And that even if you are just at the beginning of your career and that you feel very strongly about that, speaking up at that early age and creating something within the organisation is hugely powerful perhaps even more powerful than mm. a senior leader. Um, I don't, you know, not everybody might agree with me with that, but I do feel there's something about it being the responsibility of everyone in the organisation to talk about it. It's not just an HR issue. It's not just senior leadership. It's everybody taking care of each other. Yeah, I agree. And I think if, you, if you're almost waiting for senior management, you almost feel powerless. Yeah. But you yes. feel like you can't make the change. So if you make it about everyone can start to make yeah. the change and sort of normalise the conversation yes. as a whole. Yeah. It's, you're not waiting for HR. You're not waiting for senior management to to start and a lot of the kind of so you obviously do a lot of workshops speaker and yeah. I know you're doing sort of webinars as well which you know mm-hmm. I was very grateful to be on and yes. I was just astounded by the numbers yes so that okay so you talk about the webinar so we did a webinar didn't we to mm. celebrate World Suicide Prevention Day um, um, last month and we got a panel together of people that had experienced it in some way shape or form and I would say that a couple of years ago, if I'd gone out to my clients and companies to say, you know, would you like to educate your staff and for your staff to have this available to them, I'm not sure how many Mm. would. But we had hundreds of people on that webinar. I mean, I was just surprised because the topic. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, And I think what was, you know, you would expect that a lot of people maybe who can identify with some of the speakers and have Mm. been through experience in family members friends or themselves would sign up and want to listen and hear but I think what was also really interesting is that it's not just those people it is people that want to understand more um, haven't had experience of it personally but that's the culture that we're that's changing Mm. that I think even if people don't necessarily identify with it they're keen to understand and learn and that's where the change is slowly happening. Yeah, and do you believe that with the webinars it creates a bit of, it's almost anonymous in a way, Yeah. so that almost gets more people engaging too? Yeah, I mean, there's pros and cons Mm. and, you know, I wouldn't want to say that we put on webinars purely for anonymity because again you it's kind of defeats the purpose you want people to be talking openly about mental health however again I just think it's more important than not doing it at all and you know for this extremely sensitive subject um I 
totally understand you know, if suicide in any way, shape or form is not necessarily something people want to talk about. But I think one of the themes that really did come up from the webinar was how people who had experienced it, once they started talking about it, it was so much of an easier mm-hmm. process for them to grieve and um, and and understand what had happened. A couple mm. of speakers said they never spoke to anybody, they thought it was all their fault. But once they sort of decided to speak, things really changed yeah. for them. Yeah, and I think that's key, even though, as you say, mm-hmm. the webinar is more anonymous in a way. It's If someone can relate to the story, yeah. then they may go back to the workplace and start having that conversation. Yeah. So where did the idea for the event come from? So it started off with um, colleagues that I was working with, Johnny Benjamin and Neil Laybourne, and I'm sure many people are very familiar with their story, but essentially Johnny Benjamin attempted to take his life um, off Waterloo Bridge, um, and Neil, uh, a stranger, came out of Waterloo Station and essentially saved his life. Um, Obviously, I'm telling this story very briefly and succinctly, but just to give a bit of context, that they went on to... Um, really um, raise the, the profile and, and the conversation about male mental health in, in a lot of workplaces. Mm. And we were talking about this and um, we kind of found that there were a couple of really interesting things that, that were coming out of the conversations that they were having in the workplaces. One, that they kind of had this um, benefit of going into all these companies and getting real insights into what companies were doing when it came to mental health. And they saw everything that these companies were doing, but there was no kind of, there was no conversation between any of these companies. Mm. So they might go into an insurance company one day and a law firm the next day and a construction company another time. And lots of these companies are doing really great stuff, but none of them were sharing or, and they could so easily learn from each other um, and be able to implement things that they learn from other people. So, so that was the first thing that there was kind of their no sharing platform. And then the other thing is that, you know, Johnny and Neil would go into a talk um, and then the company would sort of say, gosh, this is great, but what what do we do next? Mm -hmm. And so there was kind of this gap um, that we felt should, um, should be addressed, very much looking at where is this forum where, you know, there's lots of well-being platforms and well-being conferences and HR conferences and they're all obviously excellent but a conference that was totally dedicated to mental health to solutions to company solutions where companies would sit on that stage and talk about an area that they have been looking at um, the challenges as well as the successes Mm -hmm. and so that the delegates sitting in the audience could think gosh, do you know what? I could absolutely adapt that to my organisation. I've been, you know, this is a real tricky thing for me. Um, You know, take for example, just as a prime example, you know, how do you um, internally market mental health in an organisation? You know, internal comms are key. Mm. How they do marketing, what logos they use, what colours they use, you know, all that sort of thing. So it's those sorts of things where we get panellists up on the stage from different companies talking about their marketing strategies when it comes to mental health. That's the idea of the conference, to bring everyone together, um, you know, to network with like-minded people who you can really ask for advice for. Was there a specific sort of, you know, 
strategy that some companies are using that's been very beneficial? Yeah, so we've really tracked um, and we've really tried to keep in touch with companies that um, came last year, for example, and um, um, are either coming back this year or have been able to tell us about the journey they've had in the last year, which is great. And many of those people are going to be on the platform this year who were maybe in the audience last year but are on the stage this year Mm. and are talking to us, you know, about how they've started their journey in the last year or, you know, how they've uh, moved on from last year. Um, Another addition that we had this year, which um, was an idea that we wanted to um, carry out to to showcase all the great work that is going on as well, is we launched This Can Happen Mental Health Workplace Awards this Mm. year. And we have been overwhelmed with the entries. Um, And I think what the entries have done, what the awards have done, which is really interesting, is that a lot of people have volunteers in this area and it's not part of their everyday job to carry kind of the mental health flag within a company and I think it's been a real opportunity for companies to be able to celebrate and thank the volunteers Um, so that's been one area that we've really seen come out of the awards as well as the most amazing entries of people of companies we didn't know that they were doing anything and I think um, everything's with the judges at the moment there's Mm. online judging going on at the moment but um, I think that has been really interesting and shows that companies now want to be recognized for the work that they're doing in mental health that would never have happened before it's true and I think it's just if not a black and white sort of strategy, but if it was easier for companies to understand what to do first, what to do next, yeah. you know, more companies would probably start you yes. know, focusing on it. But yeah. you know, I'm guessing it's there's so many unanswered questions around it at the moment that it makes it difficult. Yeah. So it sounds like you're doing a lot of a lot of amazing, amazing stuff. I know you're doing a sort of panel on the four hour the four day work week, I believe. The future workplace. The future workplace. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we spoke about sort of flexible mm-hmm. working. There was an article I think about sort of Labour trying to introduce a four day work week. Where do yeah. you kind of stand with that? Because I know you're a sort of a, yes. a busy person with different responsibilities. Do you think that's a good thing or I do think it's a de- good thing and I, I definitely welcome it. And I'm um, really looking forward to um, hearing from the people that are talking about that. I mean, obviously I've spoken to them already and they're tracking, um, you know, the um, the results of it. Um, and I, from what I understand, there's definitely no detrimental um, results at all. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, I think the whole thing about mental health strategies is that there isn't one that fits every mm-hmm. company. And I think that's really important. You know, and I think the multinational companies that have thousands and thousands of people will find it very difficult to implement a Mm. four-day working week. Um, But they are big enough to put in more flexibility where their employees would like it, rather than the smaller companies who maybe find the flexibility slightly more challenging. So I think, whilst I think the idea and I really welcome the four-day week or staggered working or whatever it might be that they put in, and I think that can only be positive for mental well-being, um, I wouldn't like 
people to think that you know that's the only solution and um, because it's not it can't be applicable to every mm. company yeah. um, so um, but I, I think we're going to see more companies going that route definitely and I think like you said it's definitely that tailored approach because I'm guessing industry specific is, is so different as well I think you've got more digital agencies that are kind of you know a little bit more loose with flexible working whereas yeah. The construction industry, you know, um, it's, it's different per industry as absolutely. well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there are absolutely some jobs that have to be done in the office or have mm. to be done on a certain site. You can't suddenly just get up and leave, you know, at midday. You know, mm. we have to be sensible about it. But just because the four-day working week, as an example, as an example doesn't work for them, there are other things... Mm that can make the workplace more mentally healthy. Um, and that's what we're trying to um, advocate, trying to hear what companies are doing. Um, but yes, there, there's lots of options out there. And I think companies, that the difficulty actually is for companies to cherry pick which ones are right for them. And I'm hoping that, that you know the conference can provide a platform to become more aware of those options. Yeah, I suppose attending the conference, you're going to get ideas and see yeah. if that can apply into yeah. your line of work. Yeah. And personally for you, how do you kind of, obviously we've got to know each other, how do you kind of manage it all? Like, you know, personally, <laughs> you've got so much, um, you know, it's inspirational how much you have going on. I have a very, very supportive family and I'm very lucky. My kids are slightly older now, so need you in slightly different ways. Um, but I think they really appreciate a working mum um, and, you know, enjoy hearing about the work that I do. Yes, from time to time, things get out of kilter. They absolutely do. Um, but I think the important thing, and, you know, this is for everybody, um, is that as long as it's not out of kilter most of the time, mm-hmm. um, and it's you can say, yeah, things are a bit up and down just some of the time, then you're doing all right. We all can't expect it to be plain sailing all the time. Uh, we have our bouts of total manicness and, you know, working at night, working first thing in the morning. Um, but as long as that's only a small amount, it's manageable and sometimes you just have to reach deadlines and that's that's life. Mm. Um, but I think what working in this space has taught me that you have to recognise when enough is enough and when actually you're not working in a, a positive way at all. Mm. Um, and um, it's about acquiring those tools to recognise it in yourself, which yeah. I think is probably one of the most important tools. Um, and so I'd like to think that I know when it's too much and we stop and we regroup. And I have to say that actually, even though when you're in that mode, you think stopping is the worst possible thing that you mm. can do, Stopping is actually the best thing you can do. And yeah. coming back to it another time makes you far more efficient. I can relate to that 100%. So just um, to kind of wrap up, firstly, in terms of the benefits of companies that you've worked with or people that come to the conference, there's obviously you know, productivity. You know, what other sort of benefits are you see in these companies having in terms of them looking after the mental health of their staff? I think that retention of staff is a key area. Mm. Um, In this space, a lot of um, companies focus on line manager training, which I think is um, really helpful um, and is key. Um, 
you people don't tend to leave a company just because of the company. They leave a company potentially because of their manager. Mm. And so informing and working closely with nine managers goes a long way to retention. Having a mentally healthy workforce definitely correlates to higher retention rates, that is for sure. Mm. And I just think in a to work in an office where people are looking out for each other, can communicate with each other, where a colleague can turn around to a colleague and say, I have to tell you, I had the most terrible night last night, mm. and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, can only be a more positive thing for a workplace. Yeah. 100%. And I think as well, sometimes... I forget this, and I think, you know, you probably forget it with the amount of work you're doing, but it's also, you know, you're, you're changing lives, and it's amazing to kind of, you know, potentially see that, that yeah. if a company is proactively looking after their staff, it's life-saving, especially with the statistics around, you know, suicide in itself. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you, and you are an inspiration, and I'm a little bit nervous on this podcast. Um, <laughs> But just finally, you know, where can people find out about you or about Employees Matter or the event? Thank you. Okay, so Employees Matter is at employeesmatter.co.uk and this can happen and all the information about the 25th of November is at tchevents.com. Okay, and I'll link up to all of that as well. But thank you again, Zoe, and thank you for listening to the podcast. Please let us know what you think in the comments below and I'll see you all in the next episode.